Are you looking for a memorable getaway for your family that's packed with adventure? Look no further than Lake Erie. Powderhook, in partnership with the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, has all the resources you need to plan your adventure to the walleye capital of the world. The best part is, you don't have to be an experienced angler or own a boat to have a fantastic time on the water. While walleye are the main attraction, Lake Erie also offers excellent fishing for yellow perch, trout, steelhead, salmon, and bass. The options are endless, and there's so much to explore on Lake Erie. Knowledgeable and friendly fishing guides are eager to serve you. Whether you want to hire a charter, secure a seat on a headboat, fish from the shore, ice fish, or do a DIY trip on your own boat, all these options are at your disposal with a bit of planning and preparation. Find everything you need at powderhook.com. That's powderhook.com. We know what's biting and can help you enjoy a wonderful fishing experience on Lake Erie. Hey, it's Captain Justin Leet with Chasing the Sun TV. Join me and Meredith for the best fishing action along the coast of Panama City Beach. Tune in to new episodes every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. River Atch, you are listening to the River Certified Podcast with Spencer Bauer and Ryan Tassler and an array of guests where we cover the fun, interesting, and sometimes rugged parts of spending life on or near the water. All right, well, this is officially the River Certified Podcast, the pilot episode, and I learned recently that pilot episodes are called pilot episodes because they're finally in the air, like a plane. Nice. Yeah, see how that works. Uh, it's going to be pretty laid back. We're probably going to say a bunch of dumb stuff and have fun. It's kind of, imagine you're sitting around a campfire on a sandbar, sipping your favorite co- cold beverage and just shooting the breeze. And that's kind of the whole intent of the podcast, sharing, sto- swapping stories, stuff like that. On my left, I got Ryan, uh, the flathead extraordinaire. He laughs like he's, he's yeah. all bashful. He doesn't know what it to is, say now. It is Whisker Wednesday, but it's like 19 degrees out right. and everything's starting to freeze up. So if we can't go fishing, let's at least talk about it. But not not frozen enough to walk on. Well, you could walk on it, but you wouldn't be walking on you it could. very long. I found some creeks today or this week when I was trapping that I could have fished. Yeah, except there's no fish in them. Except, there, not, well, there might be some minnows. They're just the beavers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not going any further into that <laughs> other things uh this is going to be currently we're looking at like a monthly podcast it might expand more than that depending on how many podcasts we get in if the weather really sucks we'll probably do a lot more podcasts <laughs> might do some from ice houses might that'd when, be fun man when the spring hits we'll we'll hit some walleye podcasts and... that'd be all right we uh another thing you can do if you got a minute you can pull up my social media pages, everything's River Certified, rivercertified.com, River Certified on Facebook, Instagram, and then uh, I sell apparel on my website. So if you want a River Certified tank top or bucket hat, as requested uh, by some kids in school, <laughs> it's funny, they, they asked for it. They haven't purchased any yet, but <laughs> but you could wow. if you wanted to. It's so. pretty cool stuff, and it's it's good quality. I think so. All right. Um, what's your favorite outdoor sound, Ryan? My favorite outdoor sound is the clicker going. Bzz. 
But that could be indoors. I'm talking about sound that's exclusive to the outdoors. Exclusive to the outdoors. It's probably quiet. No sound. Lack of sound? That, I mean, that's when you can kind of just sit back, look at the stars, take a deep breath. It, it really doesn't get much better than that. But when we go fishing, there's not a lot of silence. <laughs> well, you, not even when you sleep because you're a snorer Am sometimes. Am I? Sometimes. sometimes. I got some buddies. <laughs> um, I'd say mine, my favorite sound. So let me paint you a picture Imagine you're sitting on a sandbar, and I don't know what it is about sandbars. I love sandbars. But imagine you're sitting on a sandbar around a campfire, and you hear those carp sucking on the brush piles across the river, and they're just doing their thing, eating poop off of the the logs and and whatnot, doing their thing. And then all of a sudden you hear the The vacuum. The vacuum, (laughs) and they get sucked in. By like a 50, well, I imagine like a 50, 60 pound flathead. That might be like a 20 pounder, but however, however big it is, I want to catch it. And that's, you know, that's a good sound. That's, that's when you kind of perk up. And if you hear it downstream, you're thinking, God, I hope he comes upstream. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. All right, man. How do you feel about the term landowner? Respect. I mean, they have every option to tell you no before they even know you. That's true. So for for a landowner to give you the right to be on something that they've worked hard for, it's pretty generous. I mean, most landowners would tell you no before they even before they even talk to you. But I feel like it's almost it's it's too generic because I mean you're you're taking away personality from a person by giving them a title of landowner, and you're you're giving them the name landowner when their name might be Bob, yeah, or Jim, but or, that's, or Juanita, and and that's well, ne- never really met a Juanita, but I have. That is what she was really nice. Keeps people from doing the simple act of knocking on a door, making a phone call. Because that term landowner has that stigma that he could tell me no. Yeah, I guess I've never been worried about being told no. I don't know. What do you think your conversion ratio is for knocking on doors for hunting or fishing access? And high, very high. Yeah, uh, but the, the, what, the places what if, that what that, if you got like you were you grew up you live where you grew up yes and you 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 have a name. And if you were to, so like me, I grew up in Southern Iowa and now I'm up here North, not Northern Iowa, but Northern, Northern Iowa for me. And I don't have any connections. And I feel like my, like the amount of people I ask versus the amount of people who tell me, no, the no's are very few. Yes. I I don't know. You think you you think it'd be the same way? I I think it's more of a stigma than a, you know, if you are presentable and you're courteous and you're not asking for deer hunting permission. I feel like that's a tough one. That, that is true. If if you walk in and you see a deer stand laying by their shed, don't ask to hunt deer. Well, I mean, you could still ask. <laughs> well. They might surprise you. They might. Yeah. They might. Turkey hunting's the, the gateway. I'd say beaver and coyote for Yeah, me. you're right. You're right. Predator I, control is the gateway. I do a lot of trapping, and that opens up about every fishing door I ever want to use. Have you ever been told no for trapping? No, they they come to me. Oh. I I've literally maybe twice asked for permission 
the rest of them come to me because they know in my small area I'm right. one of the only ones that well you got your name out seem there. pretty efficient. So I I get messages on Facebook, I get phone calls, I get people at the grocery store begging me to come kill an otter that's in their pond. Gotcha. You know it's it's not a bad it's not, not a bad, bad gig, gig to be asked to go out on somebody's private ground to, to do what you love to do what you yeah. love that's why i get a kick out of uh you complaining about fur prices like oh. dang i won't make as much money doing the thing i love now now yeah. you're but, still making money you're still offsetting expenses you're not you going to make a living on trapping anymore yeah. There was a short stint where there probably were people making there a was. living. The first coon I ever sold was was for $37 for one raccoon. I was like nine, ten years old. Wow. Two, two fingers, right? Like you're smoking so I need a to cigarette. Get closer. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Everybody wants to hear you. <laughs> Except Rare, me. Rarely. Except me. Rarely. So, yeah, I mean, the and the market right now is because russia and china's economy are in the tank they sure. buy 90 percent of our hides so until that straightens out there's not going to be any money in it so what gets me out of bed at four o'clock in the morning is the exact situation we have at green county right now where canine distemper is going around and i find more raccoon dead along in the middle of a field along the creek bank on sandbars than i catch my traps yeah, it's it's been ridiculous this last month of trapping season that we got to do something because because nature will take care of it. That's super interesting because I don't know. There's so many reasons. There's so many stigmas. Sometimes I wonder people who don't like hunting and fishing is that they don't necessarily dislike the act, but they dislike the fact that people enjoy doing it. Well, it's it's something that they obviously weren't grown up with right, right because it's i don't know a thing about croquet you know a lot of people enjoy croquet in some parts of the world <laughs> who do you know oh some parts of the world i'm like <laughs> i don't know anybody who likes croquet well there's people you sure or else it wouldn't be a thing sure i don't know about it i wouldn't want to waste my time doing it right but that's that's some people's hobby that's fair enough and croquet is probably a bad example for Central <laughs> Croquet Island, is a but... great example. <laughs> I wonder if anybody listening has ever played croquet. If you, And that reminds me, if uh, you want to get a hold of us to talk about what you like, talk about what you didn't like, or um, complain about something or get mad at me about something, you can email Please me. Please get mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> you can email Ryan. <laughs> Actually, I don't know Ryan's email. You can email me and if it's for ryan i will find his email and forward it to him <laughs> tassler but, uh, ryan at hotmail.com there you go and then spencer at rivercertified.com official 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 but uh i don't know where was i going with that it's i nobody I, knows i have a hard time following you well right? you're no. probably not the only one <laughs> uh what's the worst thing that ever happened to you while you're outdoors fishing hunting when I was out trapping one time, I was I was teaching at the time, so I was late twenties, and I was running sets. Had to get back to school. I come up over this hill because I had a raccoon in a trap up over the hill. I could see him from the roadway, and I step in a hole, and I thought I broke my ankle. It luckily was not broken, but 
I was stuck in a hole with a raccoon about three feet away from my face. Wait, sorry, I missed that. Why was he three feet? Because he was in he a was trap. In my trap. Yeah. So your your foot stuck in a hole. My I stepped in a hole, rolled my ankle to where my foot was cockeyed and would not come out of the hole. <laughs> it, it was not a good morning. It, it was a crutches for a couple of weeks sure. type of situation. And this raccoon that's three feet from your face isn't happy. Was that you're not there. amused with me at that at that moment. He didn't feel any sympathy. He did not. He did not. <laughs> but I mean, it's just amazing that things like that can happen so quickly. You know, what I mean, it just simply walking five thirty in the morning, gonna go dispatch a raccoon. Next thing you know, you're face to face with him, and See, neither one of us could move. I got some <laughs> some big burly ankles. Some might even call them cankles. I don't know who them people are, but I don't like them automatically. But uh, I've never really had a problem with rolling my ankle. I rolled my ankle. I sprained my ankle real bad one year in wrestling, my freshman year in high school, and I just couldn't hardly get over it. But that's literally the only sprained ankle I've ever had in my life. And I've stepped in a lot of holes. Yeah. Stepped, walked on a lot of rocks, fell down a bunch of rocks. You know, probably should have rolled my ankle but didn't. And uh, I've been pretty fortunate in that department. Mine's always my left one. I When I was – a sophomore in college, I jumped out of a feed wagon and landed on a rock to where my left ankle touched the ground, literally. Yeah. And ever since then, those ligaments have never come back. It's always my left ankle, and it could be a pencil. <laughs> and it rolls. <laughs> well. It's not good. No. They make surgeries for that. but They do, but those are expensive. They are. And that cuts deep into the fishing budget. <laughs> Deep. When I tore my meniscus, I don't even want to. That would have been a really good down payment on a boat. Yeah. But instead it went to yeah. being able to walk, so that's yeah. kind of important. Give and take. Right. <laughs> Walking or boat. Sometimes I wonder if I made the right decision. Yeah, you didn't ask me for a boat. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. All right, man. So just trying to keep it online with, like, crap that happens when you're outdoors. Um, Like... When you have to take a crap outdoors, have you ever been caught without TP? Yes, and that's why it's a high priority to never happen again. So, but what do you do? I know what I do. What, socks, socks, sleeves. Well, that seems like a no-brainer. You're just like right to it. Ducks. Like everybody knows that. Yeah. Socks and sleeves. I have a buddy who, uh, I'll, he'll remain nameless because he would be embarrassed. Um. I guess not that I care really if he's embarrassed, but I'm just trying to be, you must be a better friend than uh, a little more considerate, (laughs) but, uh, he was infamous for a long period of time. And he since figured out that you can bring toilet paper with you. But every time we went out fishing, hunting, mushroom hunting, whatever, he forgot teepee. I didn't have teepee. I guess I was just as bad as him, but I never had to poop when we were outside. (laughs) I took care of it before we left. And, uh, his go-to, though, was underwear. So he'd have to take a number two. He'd take care of business. He'd use his underwear. And then he would go commando for the rest of the hunting or fishing trip, whatever we were on. I'm a fan of socks. Yeah. I kind of uh, like my underwear, you know, on. 
Yeah. And I can live without a chafing a little bit. Right. Yeah. I can live without a sock. You ever been caught in a storm? Of course you have. I think, have we ever been caught in a storm fishing together? Lightning. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't hit any tornadoes or any, but there's lightning that, that got us off the water a couple times. Trying to remember, but I'm talking like getting caught in it. No. I don't think we've been caught. Not where we, you know, most of our, long floats that we do we're pretty conscious about the weather right and having an out if we need to jump out in the middle of the float we have a plan so we've gotten smarter my i've got i've gotten smarter at that because of bad judgment in the past <laughs> no like uh me and my buddy tyler tyler well not gonna say his last name tyler we uh we took his boat out and then motored up and fished an island and the crappy thing about flatheads is that the best time to fish for them, you know it, the best time to fish for them is pre-front. When you shouldn't be fishing. When you shouldn't be fishing, right before that big nasty storm rolls through. And in June, them big nasty storms bring rain, wind, lightning, tornadoes. The flatheads don't care, but uh, I do. Because <laughs> I don't want to turn to Kentucky Fried Chicken or get carried off to Kansas or, wait, well, Kansas is a pretty nice place. Well, for fishing, it's not too bad. It's not the most scenic place in the world, but, man, they got some good fishing. Uh, wait, what, where did Dorothy go when the tornado picked her up? Uh, the Wizard. The Land of Oz. The Land of Oz. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of the name of the movie and stuff. <laughs> uh, so now you're questioning my pop culture knowledge. Would that be pop culture? I don't know. I don't even know enough about the subject to know the name of the subject. So you absolutely probably should question it. But anyway, we were out there and watching the radar. Actually, were we watching? I think this is before I had a smartphone. I think I was in college. Maybe not. But if I had a smartphone or not made a sp- or didn't have a smartphone, made a bad decision, stay out there. And it went from 90 degrees to 70 degrees in an instant. Wind picked up. And then it just starts downpouring. And we didn't want to hop in that aluminum boat. We didn't want to swim to the opposite bank and we're on this sand island and there's one stump on this island. So we huddled up next to that stump in hindsight, knowing what I know now, we made the absolute worst decision we could have made. <laughs> Let's find the tallest thing on here. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We ended up surviving. We didn't catch anything, which that seems to be how it goes. Lots of times, you know, you're out pre front thinking the fishing's going to be bonkers. Going to toe the line. And then, uh, yeah, it's nothing special. <laughs> you just get wet. Yeah. Yeah. You ever got messed up by a gar? By a gar? Or any fish? We're just, in case anyone's wondering what I'm doing, I literally have a list in front of me of crap that happens when you're fishing or just generally outdoors. And I'm just going through things in my memory bank. It's just been like, you know, problematic. So for me, I've had problems handling gar. Well, there. You don't have very many. You haven't grown up around them. I have not. I grew up down in the rough fish capital of Iowa. <laughs> that is, well, geographically speaking, below Red Rock Dam, if anybody knows where that is listening. But there's oodles of gar, buffalo carp, uh, about anything that could be classified as a rough fish. You can find it in quantity down there. And I want to or not. Yeah. And I've ran into a lot of them. The only thing they don't have, they don't have bowfin. Um, 
and there are no long nose gar, which is unfortunate because of all the gar species in the Midwest, the long nose gar are the biggest, baddest, funnest gar species to catch. We don't have alligator gar up here, but long nose, they get big. I mean, they get 15, 20, 25 pounds. And when they get big, they fight hard and they jump out of the water and it's like thrashing those teeth around. They're kind of intimidating, honestly. Yeah. I mean, just something that you can't control because a gar has scales that will slice you pretty easy. There's no good place to grab them. Yeah. You can't lip them. And they they never stand still. No. Ever. No. But as far as damage from a fish, I I do have a story after this. But you you got it worse than me. But, I mean, when your hand gets ripped up from a – from a catfish, it's pretty easy to get infected. I mean, you're in oh, the yeah, dirt, yeah, yeah. you're in the water. I know a couple of years back, you. Oh, you're you talking about infected. my thumb? Yeah. You... See, I don't. I thought that was infection, but looking back on it, because um, it kept popping back up, I wonder if it wasn't an allergic reaction. And that was a terrifying moment that it might actually be like allergic to catfish, <laughs> <laughs> like just you know, and and me if if I'm allergic to catfish. Yeah, it's it's just time to end it. Right. Like, there's, right. there's nowhere to go from there <laughs> there's definitely no up to go from there but anyway so you had one that bit you and you got infected well or yeah just over time you know sooner or later if you get enough open wounds in the outdoors it's going to get infected right right but, but no i just brought that up because i remember that you had a pretty bad one spring that i mean it it affected you for quite a few days yeah probably weeks yeah no that but, thing but the funniest story with a fish injury is we were on a boat. I was probably 17, 18. My buddy just bought a 14 foot flat bottom. Cause we we're going to be river monsters. You know, right. go out and get to places where we've never been. And we did. And we were fishing some logs and he had his line over the top of a log and got a bite. It was just a little channel cat, but he ripped it over the log and that back fin of the channel cat stuck right in his calf all right so i saw a video of and i don't understand the context of the video like what led these two girls on this beach on this lake to be doing this but they found a small dead catfish there's a video you can look it up online and they were playing catch or maybe not playing catch one of them threw it at the other one and it stuck in that other girl's leg or calf or whatever like it was I don't know, like it had glue on it. Like it was a dart. Yeah, like it was a dart. Well, she caught it. Yeah. <laughs> Give her the props. I couldn't imagine. Oh, she took off screaming. It was it was bad. I mean, it was it was deep, like to the point where he had to put effort in to, to yank, yank it, it out. out. Yeah, it, it wasn't good. It was funny, but it wasn't good. <laughs> I bet that bled like crazy. I bet it hurt bad. I bet it did. Yeah, good thing you don't have to know. Yeah, it, I'll take his word for it. But. Fair enough. No, my gar thing. So growing up, trying to catch catfish below Red Rock, when the water was low, it'd just be gar, gar, gar everywhere. And there's you caught a lot more gar than anything else. And I remember one, I was impatient and had caught several gar. So I just grabbed him in the middle of the body, not that firmly. And he waved back and forth and caught me. Like came all the way back around and his teeth caught in my forearm and then ripped away from it. So I had me, you know, a nice bunch of teeth marks in my forearm. 
And now then, you look, know what every live bait we've thrown out last no year kidding. looks like. See, I feel like that. Actually, I I don't, I don't want to go there, but <laughs> it uh yeah, it messed up my forearm pretty good when I was seventeen or eighteen. And then as he was wiggling away, he slid downward through my hand, and his gill plate cut open the space between my thumb and and pointer finger. So yeah, it was it was quite the moment. And my girlfriend at the time was there, and. uh she thought I was going to die. Well, so I, I went from... It may have been the girlish screams. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that always gets them. They are definitely equipped for what they do. Oh, man. They're just out to mess stuff up. I had the same thing happen to me. I snagged one down in Red, or down in Oklahoma. And it... Uh, you know, this was a big one. This was a long nose down there, and it was... 45 to 50 inches long and where do you grab him i tried to grab him in the middle and he slid down and his gill plate cut open that same spot i mean i got a scar that one scarred up pretty good but uh they're just mean fish i'd like to catch a gator gar someday yeah bring some rope (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what, what i mean i've seen him rope them yeah i don't know what lasso the tail and Pull them up. They make it look easy, but everybody makes everything look easy on TV. The power of editing. Yeah, power of editing. You ever run into anything like fishing at night that you couldn't explain? The first time I ever heard a bobcat. That's freaky sound. (laughs) That. At the time, you couldn't explain it? Yeah. Yeah. I was I was young, and there wasn't very many bobcat in the area as there are now. Right. And I th- literally thought a woman was getting murdered. Sure. I mean. Yeah, it, I could see that. It was the middle of the night. I was on the sandbar, nothing but stars, no fire, and I hear this shriek. Right. And it, I mean, it, it brings you to attention. Now, you know, I I can hear it and recognize it, but at the time... I didn't know there was a bobcat within 100 miles of me, let alone right across the river. But you thought there was a serial killer. I I (laughs) did not know what was going on, but I was not comfortable with it. (laughs) Fair enough. No, I I don't really have anything. I'm glad you do. Yeah. I had had a giant ape-like creature steal my beef jerky once. Really? No, it's like the beef jerky commercials, man. Well, Jack I was say, you've been holding. God, you'll believe me. anything, man. <laughs> I think the first time I ever heard a beaver slap the water freaked me out a little bit. It's it still gets you on once in a while. Now it don't. I mean, now I don't even care. Yeah. Now it's like whatever. Well, and then uh, you're all, like a magnet to you. You are. They you are. Are attracted. They are attracted to you. And they're not happy not, anytime they ever see. Not you. going any further into that one. <laughs> No, but like honestly, the the mindset that there's nothing out where we live that's gonna mess with you, like the odds of you running into a bobcat or not a bobcat, a mountain lion, is almost astronomical. Yeah, a bobcat ain't gonna do nothing. Coyotes aren't gonna do nothing. There's no bears. The only problem is sickness. Something that alters their oh, normal yeah. state. Yeah, that's a good point. And like then, rabies or yeah, something along those lines. Something that makes them or even starvation, you know, something that puts them on the edge. They yeah. have more skills and more tools than we do. I mean yeah. 
even a raccoon, a, you know, something similar that you see every day could be very dangerous in the right situation. I mean, I still like my odds. Well, if, if, if a 30 pound raccoon charges me and bites you once and you get rabies. Well, I mean, I like to think I'd, <laughs> I'd like kick him. Like I have this heroic image in my mind of this 40 yard field goal, right? This rabid <laughs> raccoon charging me and foaming at the mouth. And it's like the slow motion scene. And he tries to grab my, bite my leg. Timing is perfect. And then I just tee off on him. Poof. And then I walk away <laughs> as like there's an explosions in the background with my arms in the air as I conquered this raccoon. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> I, I like to be a little more prepared than that. No, that's fair. <laughs> no, man, like, I, I don't know. There's, there, there's that situation. That's Even that's like still an anomaly it is. of all anomalies. And it I is. suppose if you spend enough time outside, you never know what can happen. But yeah, I mean, we, we encounter new things every time we go out and think of how many trips we've been out. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That's true. The freakiest one. So when I went to school in Oklahoma, I got talked into going hand fishing and it's one of the few times I've been hand fishing and we went out, and it was fun. We uh, caught some fish. I noodled my first fish ever. And, you know, I was kind of freaked out because my imagination gets the best of me. But we didn't run into any problems, and everything was great. The next day, I went fishing below a spillway, local spillway in the area. And on my way there, I saw an alligator snapping turtle. <laughs> like, everyone in Iowa calls snapping turtles alligator snapping turtles and we don't have those we have common snapping turtles which get pretty big you they know get pretty big they, and 40 50 pounds fun to, to hand fish yeah <laughs> i i wouldn't want to try and lip one but the the head on this alligator snapping turtle was like a coffee can like no joke like eight inches in My diameter fingers are gone oh yeah well you'd want them to be gone yeah because if he bit on your hand that big hook on their beak, you're not getting away. Yeah. And if you're stuck underwater, you're drowning. So it's either you like lose your fingers and don't have fingers or he holds on to your hand and you lose your life. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a lose, lose, but there's definitely a bigger loss. <laughs> there is. There's a one sided. You can do a lot of things with two fingers. People prove it every day. Right. Right. But, uh, that, that wasn't an event, but that was that was a thought. It was that a was thought. A deep thought. So that was when I realized, like, hand fishing's just not for me. <laughs> I mean, there's other things to it, but that was the real, real firm yes. deal breaker right there. And I, I've always thought of that. You know, you reach in those bank dens, and who's to say it's not a river otter, a beaver? You know, even a little muskrat has pretty good teeth on it. Everybody I've talked to who does it very much says if you reach into a hole and you find an air pocket, you get out of there. But if it's all underwater, you're probably pretty okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of those banks, you can't reach back as far as that den goes. No, no, you know no. I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. I'll just I'll just I, stay above water. Yeah, I'll stay above water too. The beaver thing too though. I don't. I just don't like beavers. There's nothing really wrong with them, and they probably serve a, a deep ecological purpose 
don't ask any of my farmers. But that, I'm I'm sure they do. I mean, yeah. they build dams yeah. and they create new habitat that animals have evolved to take advantage of forever. Absolutely. But when they swim in your line at three in the morning, <laughs> when you're deep asleep and you wake up thinking you have the one, the one cruising slowly away, haul, you just suck down your two pound bullhead sitting out there, and you pick up the rod and you're half asleep and you reel down and you feel weight and you set the hook and and it just pops off of the back of that beaver. And then he freaks out and slaps the water with his tail. <laughs> You're like, ah. insult to injury. Yeah. But there was one time that it didn't slap off his back. Oh yeah. So several years ago, we were fishing with a friend, Tom in his vessel. And we were fishing a tributary mouth where it dumped into the main river and, I had a creek chub on as bait under a bobber, and I tossed it clear up into the creek just to get my lines away from everyone else's, and that way we covered water and everything. And we're kicking back, relaxing, kind of doing what we're doing now. And the bobber goes under, and we get all excited. I reel down. I set the hook. I feel a lot of weight, and I'm like, hold on, guys. This is a good one. And then I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it. I don't feel a head shake, so that's kind of weird. In flatheads, they throw big old head shakes, and it's real obvious. But I didn't feel one for this thing. And then it just stops moving, swimming, anything. And then its head pops out of the water and looks at me with the hook sticking out of his mouth. <laughs> one of the funnest experiences of my life I didn't I mean I'm not speechless very often but I was speechless in that very moment and had no idea what to do but uh, actually I, I did I said does somebody have a knife <laughs> and I'm not talking to kill the beaver I'm talking cut the line but <clears throat> fortunately it dove back down and popped back up and the hook popped out but I think Tom was ready to uh to pull the beaver into the boat. He he was kind of excited about it. I was anything but Over excited. excited, yes. I was anything but excited about that thing. That's that's a story you could never make up or relive again, probably. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, I'm going to make up a story, that'd be the last story I'd ever make up. You could make it up, but... You could, but it's, it's just... And when you spend time on the river... Things like that are going to happen that are always going to stick with you. I wonder if anybody you know? else has ever had that happen. I had yes, a buddy sorry, who yes. accidentally you know? snagged an otter. Really? Yeah. They freak out more than beaver do. I bet that was a fight. Well, you heard the drag sizzle. <laughs> and then he wanted me to land it for him. And I said, no. No. no you're on no. your own here. <laughs> sorry, you're, you're bad luck. Yes. Fortunately, it came off too. That is good. Because, yeah, I wouldn't want to tussle with an otter. They they have an attitude problem. So I used to be big in shark. Well, you know, I used to be big in shark fishing off the beach, and shark fishing off the beach, you you put your bait, you you bait your hook. You have a big twenty out circle hook, and you use whatever you can and whatever's legal for bait. And you're talking anywhere from two to fifty pound baits. I mean, giant baits. <laughs> These baits you're not going to cast, especially with the gear you have. So you put them in a kayak. And then you paddle that bait out to whatever desired distance you want to paddle it out. And <laughs> you throw it off, let it sink to the bottom. You have a big sinker that's like basically a small anchor, you know, like 12-ounce anchor with, you know, uh, what's the word for the the arms of the anchor? Tongs? The tongs? Yeah. Possibly. I don't know. 
but um leggy things leggy things on the on the weight so it it digs into the sand and there is bycatch to shark fishing i caught i've caught big king mackerel and redfish like giant like biggest redfish in my life i caught shark fishing it's amazing how big of a bait they'll eat too but um buddy of mine uh who also well he'll actually remain nameless for his sake he was fishing in north carolina and he sent me the video of this, of his big two-speed lever drag offshore fishing reel getting absolutely melted by, like, drag just flying off. And then he zooms out over the ocean, and you see a dolphin Holy doing backflips with this bait in his mouth. And uh, the bait got thrown, thank God. Yes. But it's just like an unfortunate part of but in that moment they were both having a blast i I don't i don't i i wouldn't because like i'm i'm i don't want to catch a dolphin yeah but just seeing your the actual real scream yeah but there's there's fish that'll do that i'd rather catch those fish than a dolphin but you didn't catch it no i'd rather hook those fish than a dolphin (laughs) i tell you what i've hooked a few fish like that that made the drag sizzle in a way that they're not designed to sizzle. <laughs> I, I had, I had a bait get hit so hard that the clicker didn't sound like a clicker. It sounded like a weed eater. Really? Yeah. And I'm sure that was a big hammerhead. Yeah. And I don't know. It took every inch of my line in 45 seconds. Jeez. Yeah. Just gonzo. That's the drinking night is what that is. <laughs> I don't even think I was, I don't even think I was drinking age. Yeah. Well, maybe I was. I wasn't even sad about it because you never had a chance. Yeah. Like if you were to fight a fish and you get it close and then you lose it, which we've all done. Yeah. That hurts. But to hook a fish that you never stood a chance and then it was gone just like you expected it to be gone. You just want to say hi. Yeah. Well, I mean, your expectations were met. Yeah. You weren't let down because you never felt like you had the, uh, the chance to make it happen anyway. But it makes you sit there and think, okay, what do I need to do before next time? <laughs> I needed to make, to make that, money so yeah. I could buy a reel that could handle fish like that. I don't know. You ever had any, like, really bad, bad experiences out on the water? Like, I'm going to die type ones? At Lake Erie, one time I did. I mean, the wind came up out of nowhere, and there was no land to be seen. Oh, it's an inland sea, yeah, pretty I much. Yeah, I mean, it's... And, the place that we fish for walleye, it's it's like a 25 to 35-minute ferry ride out into Erie, and then we fish off of that. Wait, so how's that work? You're in a ferry. We are in a ferry. We load our truck trailer boat oh, on the ferry. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a huge barge. And they, they take us out to, I believe it's called Kelly's Island. Okay. It's right out of Sandusky, Ohio. And uh, that's where we go every every time we go to Lake Erie. And if you get on the wrong side of the island, it can get ugly pretty quick. I can on see that when the wind comes sure. up, and, or what direction it's yeah. coming in, or and no matter what boat you're in, I mean, it's you're not Lake Erie certified. I mean, well, and you're, I mean, even those big deep bees, they're still only twenty twenty two feet. You're not talking like yeah. a forty foot. No, this is a uh, sport boat, fisherman. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. This is. A, 18 to 22 foot V bottom. Yeah. You know? When you got 10 foot waves, which I'm sure they happen out there yeah. or bigger. 
and quick. I mean, yeah. And the other side of the island, it's big enough island that it blocks all the waves. So sure. you just gotta you gotta pay attention to what you're doing, and uh, you know, make sure you're on the right side of the island because. I'd hate to go down when, you know, you can't see land. There's eight to ten foot waves. I don't think there's a good time for your boat to sink. There's Whether you not. can see land or not, there's I don't feel not. like that. I mean, in, in, I know it's an inland sea, basically, but it's not the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's not good. It's it, not. I mean, I just. So was it a storm or did just the wind pick up or? It was a front. Yeah. And we're trying to stay ahead of it. And yeah. we were actually aware of it, but it literally within a matter of 10 minutes went from calm to we're in trouble. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was bad. The, you know, just gradually the boat started rocking and mm-hmm. next thing you know, here's white caps coming 200 yards from you and it's time to fire up and it doesn't matter if your poles are in or not, it's time to go. Right. And you so, figure it out as you're on your way out of there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not good. I mean, that much momentum from that but wind. you made you... it, though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Was it – so did you have to go through that crap to get back? Yeah. I mean, oh. we had to we had to get to the island, right. which, you know, it, it was actually pushing us there. But, you know, you had to you had to go through those waves to get there, and it was, it was sketchy. I mean – Weather weather freaks me out, like especially when you're – it's warm in the summer – and that front rolls through and the temp drops 15, 20 degrees in an instant. That Every fre- hair on your body stands yeah, up. Yeah, that freaks yeah. me out. Because there's a lot of things that are dangerous that you can control. And the weather well, is and everybody is freaked out by, like, the boogeyman, you know, or the monster. <laughs> yeah. There are no boogeyman. There is no monster. There's no, there's no Bigfoot. Somebody's probably going to get mad. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, there is. <laughs> yes, I saw him. So I was listening to a podcast, and they were saying that uh, Bigfoot is uh, the only the reason all the Bigfoot pictures are fuzzy is because Bigfoot is actually fuzzy. <laughs> aura, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the stench. Yeah, but um, yeah, that, that you know you don't have to worry about that stuff. It's like Mother Nature that kill you. Yeah. You know, you you could get hit by lightning. You could drown. Well, that kind of ties into mine is. I used to kayak and I never wore a life jacket. Like I always had one with me and became a seat cushion basically. And then there was one time where I was going to tie my kayak to a log, um, ahead of this big log jam and with the intent of casting baits into it and trying to catch big catfish. And I came up to this log and bumped into it. And usually you bump into a log and it's solid. You know, and well, this one has springy enough where it pushed down and then the current pushed my kayak up on top of this log and then it sprung back and my, I was, uh, perpendicular to the current. So my kayak being pushed aside and this was a sit inside kayak. So it didn't drain like the sit on top ones do. And the current pushed my upstream side down under the river and uh oh pee break we'll be back in a sec <laughs> anyway uh ryan's back he he had to take a pee break sorry Every, everything's good now everything is good so the current was pushing my kayak underwater i was taking on water and i was worried about uh dying <laughs> and i somehow like grab i grabbed the log 
and to hold my kayak above water and like shimmied myself off of the log one inch at a time, then got to the bank and bailed out, I don't know, eight, nine, ten gallons of water out of that thing. And you're sitting inside that you used to have? Yep. And then once I got off the water, I went straight to the sporting goods store and bought a life jacket. <laughs> Same one I always wear now. Yeah. I said, I'm going to buy one of them inflatable ones because I always wear it. And don't matter what kayak or what uh, life vest you have, it don't do you any good if you ain't wearing it. It doesn't. They all they all yeah. keep you above water if you're wearing them. Yeah. So find a comfortable one and wear it is what I decided to do. I'm not going to be the the mom, you know, telling people what they have to do, but that's no. what I did. That's what I did. But you know, most most people that that drown, it's not a slow process. It's something dramatic that happens before you can react. True, it's quick. You know? Because if you have time to think through it, most people who are out there have time to process and problem solve and everything. But the people who don't. It's not the Titanic situations that we're worried about. It's its the. Not it's when the, you're in a kayak. No, it's where they flip you upside down right now and knock you, you out. Yeah. 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 If you can swim, every, nobody can swim very well when they're unconscious. Well, Tell him the story about Denny about got hit by a tree. Oh, going down yeah. Well, he was tied off. He was just fishing, chilling, relaxing, whatever. And he was tied off to the bank, and he was underneath a tree because the entire river is lined with trees, and he just happened to be underneath this tree. And a big chunk of the branch broke and fell and almost smacked the fishing rod tips that were in rod holders on his kayak. So, I mean, that's six, seven, eight feet away from where he's sitting. And this is a log. I don't, I mean, I don't want to tell the story for him, but uh, my understanding was it was a big enough log to do a lot of damage, maybe enough damage yeah. to end your, your day, your life. But, uh, yeah, 10 feet difference between that happening. Well, remember the one where I was telling you where I parked my truck? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so this one place that me and Ryan fish every once in a while is uh, there's this big dead tree that's been there forever, and I just parked next to it. Didn't think much of it, and then there's one day where I looked at that tree, and there's a bunch of buzzards in it, like 10, 12, 15 of them. That's, that's like, not a good sign. Well, I didn't want to get – well, I didn't want to poop on my truck. Buzzard poop probably yeah. isn't small. Yeah. Right, and it can't smell good. They eat dead stuff, you know. I mean, poop don't smell good to begin with, but if somebody's eating rancid dead, poop. rancid yeah. meat, and then they're pooping that, yeah, I didn't want that on my truck, so I parked in a different spot. And uh, A chunk of that tree that was every bit of eight, nine feet long and had a, di I mean, probably three, four foot in diameter, like a big chunk of branch, like a main branch off of this tree that's every bit of 50 feet tall, broke off and hit the ground while I was sitting there. I, watched, I heard the crack, looked over, and watched that thing fall from the top of the tree, hit the ground, and goes, boom, you know. And Buzzards weren't the only one with rancid poop. Right, <laughs> right. Well, it landed right where I usually parked my truck. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess you get lucky. Yeah. I mean. And, and there's no, not, I mean, I could have got reception. I could have went for a walk, but. Yeah, that's. It would have totaled your truck. It would have totaled any truck. Absolutely. It would have totaled the cab of an 18-wheeler. That's yeah. how big of a branch we're talking here. And momentum, I mean. Well, and it was my old 
my old Colorado. It yeah. might have broke that thing in half. <laughs> of the frame might have went. So I guess you count your blessings and you try to prevent the preventable and prepare for the things that could happen. Cause like Which I think we do a pretty good job at. I well, mean, I think most people do, you know? Yeah. I mean, most that are experienced. Yeah. But there's only one way to learn that, you know? Is good go, experience go comes through bad from experience. lots of bad experiences. <laughs> Which make great stories, so. They do. They it's, do. It's two-sided. And that's the whole point of this podcast, is to share those wonderful stories of our bad judgment. <laughs> Either our bad judgment together or our bad judgment on our own. You ever had any weird crap happen to you while you're fishing? Um, at a local, uh, boat ramp, we'll call it the, the ramp wasn't usable, but just sitting there fishing there's some rocks up above it that has some deep undercuts that gets a pretty good fish in it and just keep hearing stuff behind me. You know, you think, oh, it's deer at first. Sure. Then you hear voices, you know, well, probably not deer. No, <laughs> never met a talking deer. And then the cop cars show up to where there was a, these people were, you know, on the riverbank on the public land. Sure. With a meth lab. Oh. That the cops had found earlier that week and were staking it out. Oh. So I got to watch a meth bust. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I don't know how many of them there were, but there was at least five that jumped in the water. And then they still and probably scared some. all the fish away too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it scared me away. I, I, bet, I was good for the day. I bet yeah. I would have been too, man. That's almost too much. I I don't. I haven't had any big like run-ins with cops when I've been fishing. I mean, I've been checked for my fishing license and stuff, but I think I have twice in my whole life. As much as I fish, like I check. I've... But you fish in the middle of nowhere, man. Like well, you're true. not fishing in heavily fish public access points you know yeah i mean occasionally but they're not like main you're not close to a highway yeah they're all on gravel you get away from people and you're you're talking about a body of water that doesn't have sustainable water to support boat traffic most of the time yeah i think that makes a big difference and that's why i choose those places <laughs> that's fair <laughs> so all right, this is the one that came to mind when you were talking. It has nothing to do with anything you talked about, but it's just freaking weird. I was in a hurry to get go fishing, like I normally am, going ice fishing. And this is like, you know, snowy morning. It just snowed, I don't know, four, five, six inches. And I had to take gravel to get to this spot at the lake because uh, – I went the back way because it was a little faster, and then it ended up not being f faster because they hadn't plowed it yet. But uh, came up to this bridge, and there was deer on the bridge. And I slowed down to look at these, you know, just to let them go by, make sure I didn't run into them, make sure they didn't run into me. And this, like every single one of them, except for two, runs out of the bridge and then into the creek, like along the bank of the creek. And then there was two that stayed on the bridge and I slowed down to a crawl and I probably should have kept going a little faster, but those deer just looked at me and one of them I made eye contact with. <laughs> We're looking at each other deeply in each other's eyes and it just jumps over the bridge railing. 
Like, why didn't even like and the other one just followed it? It's like two deer just jumped off of a bridge rail. Like, this is our only option. I, <laughs> like, I felt bad. But it's like the what do Austin you do? Power scene with the slow rollers coming at him. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> the listeners will. Okay, There's the smart scene, people will. You know those big rollers like they use on blacktop. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know how fast they the are. They flatten out the asphalt. Yeah. yeah. They're not fast. Right. So on Austin Powers, he's standing there probably This is no longer a fishing podcast. Thirty <laughs> thirty yards in front of it and this roller's coming at him. And yeah. he's just standing there going, No for minutes until this this roller hits him. Right. That's what it made me think of. Oh. That that plenty of time to weigh their options. Well, we're and that's the option. You can't personify an animal. <laughs> well, you know? What is the word? Anthropomorphis or anthropomorphize? I will take your word for that. But you yeah. do make up words quite often. I don't make up words at all. <laughs> Just because you don't know them doesn't mean they're made up. <laughs> Anthropomorphism is giving human-like traits to a non-living thing. That's a, or a, a a non-human thing. That's the world we live in. Right, right now, right, but you. <laughs> we talked about that earlier. We did, we did, <laughs> but um, you know they're not people, and even uh-huh. people get scared and do dumb stuff. Uh-huh. So to look at an animal, I do dumb stuff without being scared. Right, that's true. <laughs> it's uh, kind we, of my thing. <laughs> I have a reputation around here. No, but people, people are who are considered the most intelligent creatures on the planet. Some more than others, but uh, they do dumb stuff. Either when they're scared or not. So to take an Hold animal under pressure, who's yeah. freaked out and to judge their actions like, oh, what a stupid animal. Well, they're freaked yeah. out. <laughs> they don't know what's going on. They're acting on instinct. I felt bad for them. Their instincts were wrong. That's how you cull the herd. That's yeah. how you get better genetics. Yeah. Is you eliminate well, You're talking ones. survival of the fittest here. <laughs> you eliminate the ones that think that I is I feel like that's a. such a unique situation where you, I feel like evolution kind of. Uh, you could make the argument there's always evolution involved. Yeah. Luckily, there is. I yeah. mean, it, that's what keeps them alive. It keeps them striving. But, yeah, in that situation, it had little to do with evolution and a lot to do with, oh, crap. Yeah, and just bad circumstances. Yeah. I don't know. You got any uh, parting thoughts? Any good stories to end with? Parting thoughts. Well, call it the the last cast. The last. Well, cast. I don't know. We can. That's catchy. I suppose if catchy. you say a story like five times, <laughs> then it's like the last cast. That is the last cast. Well, I I don't really have a story to say, but I mean it's it's trapping season right now, so fishing for me is kind of a back burner. I get up at four in the morning. I run traps, but you make it sound like it's a chore. Some mornings it is. I yeah. mean, you're getting in freezing cold water at four how, in the morning. You how do you work all day? It's what do you think about that though? Like, it's a, a hobby, but sometimes it feels like a job. But you do it anyway because you love it. Like, what what drives a person to function like that? Because I kind of wonder about that about myself sometimes. Because you have mornings I think, like that too. You're like, oh, absolutely. I I think. Like, it's just weird. Like, I kind of enjoy pushing myself. Like, if I don't feel like I want to, if I don't feel like I want to do it, that means I need to do it. And that doesn't like, I don't, I feel like I don't want to do it. So that makes me feel like I want to do it. It doesn't work like that. I just don't feel like I want to do it. 
but then I need to do it because I don't feel like I want to do it. They have a term called meathead. Yeah. That, that, that fits that. That probably well, describes but, me pretty but good. But my number one drive in the trapping field is no one else does it. And that's it, true. And it's a resource that has to be done in order to. Does it though? Like if you think about it, you well, know, before people were around in North America, it's not like there was no bounds to the nature ecosystem. Nature is cruel. Oh, I'm not saying it's like, like an uncruel balance. Uh, to be in nature is, and this is how I think of it, imagine the scariest movie that you've ever seen and the scariest monster you've ever seen and how all those people in that movie are freaked out and are pushed to their limits and are do things that are, you know, anybody, any normal human would not do, but they do it for survival and that's what it's like to be a wild animal. Absolutely. Every day, you don't get a check. You have to live. Right. <laughs> that's that's right. your goal, yeah. is to make it out at the end of the day alive. But a great example right now and, and where I live is canine distemper in the raccoon population. Yeah. I mean, literally, I've, I've seen more raccoon dead than I've caught in the past two weeks. Sure. I mean, that's nature's way of... But how do you You're feel? Overpopulated. But does that bring a need for trapping? It does for me. In your head, because I I don't want them to suffer when I have the ability to help prevent that. What if they could have lived for another three years? They could have, but that would have forced the issue on something else. That had taken resources away from next year's young. That's that had true. Taken yeah, space away. That had taken you know, because it's just like any epidemic like we're going through now yeah the more congested an area is the faster that epidemic's going to spread right so coyotes with mange if there is a big pack they're gonna get it because if one gets it they're in such a close proximity to each other yeah it's just like if somebody in your house gets a cold then you all get the cold yeah sure no and the the thing that stuck out to me was that i had never considered was you know, like, okay, you trap an animal, you kill the animal. What if that animal could have lived longer? But for one animal to live, another animal is going to be pushed a little more. Those resources would... are going to be taken up. Right, right, yep. right. That's, yeah. Well, we I mean, it's, it's an equilibrium. It's a, it's a balance. Yeah, and the balance is reached either through disease or starvation or lack of room or one animal killing another animal for whatever reason, you yep. know to eat them or if they're the same species they they fight all the time for resources absolutely the the larger animals you know the more mature Mm -hmm. there's not a perfect pelt out there they've all got war wounds marks you know you don't get a beaver over 20 pounds that has a full tail i mean they fight they fight all the time so but so the waking up in the morning when you don't want to wake up i don't have a choice Straps got to be checked every You're 24 right. hours. Right. So you hold yourself you know, accountable. I, I do. You know, you do and something, you I follow do, through. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's something that, you know, the first Saturday of November in Iowa, the trapping season opens. That's my Christmas Eve. Because mm-hmm. I go out and set my traps. I've been waiting since the last season. Then the first Sunday of November is Christmas Day. I get to take the kids. We all go out. We check traps. Mm-hmm. We just, I enjoy it. I, I really do. I mean, it, it's it's like the first flathead fishing trip of the year, you know, except more successful because I'm 
more skilled at that. That, but there's a lot more raccoons than there are flatheads. There are. Yeah, there are. But no, I just look forward to it every year, and you know, I put a month or so into it, and then I kind of trail back. Like right now, I've just got coyote sets out, mm-hmm. a few beaver, and some ponds for some farmers that need it because they're erosion factor. I mean. The beavers have the the banks. They've got dens all over the place. Sure. They got stockpiled sure. corn and. Well, they say that they're the the second most destructive creature on this planet. Well, we oh, got them beat. That right yes. behind humans. Yeah, yep. and they are, and it doesn't take many of them. I mean, one family of four to five beaver can destroy a pond. I mean it. And or create a new one. Or or create a new one. That yeah. is correct. Yeah, there was there's one section which is by a, a state park, a Spring Lake State Park. Yep. And I trap just south of there. Mm-hmm. Last year before I trapped it, there was three and a half foot of water in this guy's cornfield. Really? I mean, there was acres underwater. You should have seen the wood ducks in there. It was pretty impressive. The wood ducks don't aren't your fan, though. They are not. No. But in the last two seasons, so probably two months worth of trapping, I've caught over 40 beaver out of one section of land, one mile by one mile. Did I ever tell you about the beaver I saw just cruising through a cornfield? I don't believe so. No, like four or five. No, not four. Probably two miles from any body of water that I knew was even like. Was it a smaller one? It was a long ways away. Yeah. I was looking at him through the, the binos, and, uh, but he was hauling, man. He was just cruising. Well, right through uncomfortable right through bet. a chisel plowed cornfield like two miles from any river pond creek whatever my only explanation for that is he's probably a two-year-old they got kicked out sure. of his area probably sure. a male two-year-old and he was looking for his, his that's place. tough love man it is <laughs> it is nature is not kind at all no no especially to the carp <laughs> actually you know i was talking to somebody about this today one of my coworkers, that because I was talking about how I, how many hundreds and thousands of bluegills I catch every year just for bait. <laughs> and then he said, wow, it must really suck to be a bluegill. And I'm like, yeah, it probably would, but it'd suck even worse to be a shad. <laughs> because not only does everything want to eat you, um, your defense mechanism to avoid predation is to vomit and poop and shed your scales. And then if you put them in a contained area, they vomit, poop, shed their scales, the ammonia levels spike, and then the scales clog their gills. <laughs> so they just kill themselves. If you, if I the, can't take it anymore. Yeah. So everything wants to kill them. They can kill themselves. The If the weather fluctuates too fast, they die. Yeah. I mean, there's no upside to being a shad and from that's an why individual. Millions of them. Well, that's the thing. It's like the. It's not about the individual. It's about the propagation of the species. They're almost like insects to a, yeah. a large degree. I mean, their population yeah. dynamics function similarly to that. Yeah, they're a lot better than a mosquito, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> I will take a swarm of shad any day. Right. Well, they. Yeah, the shad don't bother us <laughs> like the mosquitoes do. I suppose if I had a parting thought that. Uh, my parting thought would be, I'm glad I'm not a shad. <laughs> <laughs> That's one to think about, guys. That That's, might be the uh, name of this deep. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> River Certified Podcast One. 
glad I'm not a shad. Glad I'm not a shad. <laughs> I don't know. That's I don't. You got anything else to add? Well, I just I. It's last cast. Just, you get four more. <laughs> just just talking about fishing makes me want to get out there. You know that the ice is forming. I think in a couple of weeks we'll probably be ice fishing. So and the forecast doesn't look wonderful. But if you wanted to drive north, but I'm more like I kind of want to rather drive south to get away yeah. from it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean... I'm going to dedicate myself to the catfish cause this year, though. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going to make a point to just... Sit like, on it? Yep. I might chase some hybrids through the ice a little bit, but uh, I'm going to do my best, absolute best, to try to get good at catching catfish There's the There's some guys that are amazing, you know? That... Not this one. <laughs> <laughs> In ice fishing terms alone, you're a, you're a pretty newbie. I mean, you've only got a couple... Serious seasons under your belt. Serious seasons. Yes. I've ice fished to some capacity since I was 12. Then I took a big, big, uh, what's the word for it when you take a break from something? Well, siesta. Well, that's a nap. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I took a break from it. And by break, I mean like a decade break. <laughs> and uh, never had electronics when I did go before that or any of that stuff. And then, yeah, about the last three years. I've kind of got mm-hmm. after it. three, four years. Which I enjoyed because I, I don't have very many ice. Well, I got some ice fishing buddies, but they don't fish a lot. Right. So anytime I, I can hook up with you, I know we're going to go fishing. So Well, we're going to try to catch them. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to hit a couple big trips. I, I got one planned in January. We're going to go up to South Dakota with. 14 guys i graduated with. really so we might not even fish you might not make it back <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a great time but i want to plan a couple trips now that you know my son's graduated and he's not wrestling and i have one ice time. fishing trip you'll be very interested in perfect yeah perfect and then you know the thing about ice fishing is i hate going to a farm pond and catching fish in a barrel it's not the fish in the barrel. It's the limited opportunities. Like yeah. you go to a pond, you're going to catch bluegill or bass or crappie. Yeah. And if you get lucky, you might catch catfish. About and that's the, the end of it. About the 25th fish, I'm like, eh, there's there's more to this. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> not. The, I don't get tired of the catching. I just think it's the, the lack of mystery. And you could make the argument that freshwater fishing, there is no mystery. It's not like the ocean where you never, literally never know what you're going to catch. But, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to ice fish the ocean. <laughs> I'm sure they do somewhere. Yeah. But um, to go on bigger bodies of water that have more diverse fish populations, I just think that's much more interesting. And then also the upside of, you know, in a, in a pond, you know, like this pond has really big fish or this pond has smaller fish. or You have a good idea of not only the species but the, the quality of the fish you're going to catch. And then in a big body of water – you, you never know. You know they're there. You just got to find out where they're at. Well, that's my you thing know? about, like, blue cat fishing. And so, like, I try to go to places where at any given moment a 100-pounder could hit. Absolutely. <laughs> like, that That keeps me – it keeps the guy on their toes. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps Anytime that toes. rod moves, you're like, this could be it. This could be it. And it, and it hasn't been it yet, but yeah. it, it could be any moment. Yeah. And that's a fun thing. I get a kick out of this one. So, with New Year's coming up, Woody. <laughs> yeah, Woody's Woody's here. He was chewing on a ball. You could maybe hear that. But 
with New Year's coming up, people set like their um, New Year's uh, resolution. Yeah, resolution, and people set these goals for fishing. And there's nothing wrong with setting goals, but I don't think a goal's real unless it's an action that you could have direct control over. So if your goal is like, my goal is to catch a 50 pound flathead this year, to me, that's not a real goal. Because you can, mm-hmm. like, you can put your bait in better spots that, um, give you a better chance higher like, percentage yeah yeah, yeah. but well, you should be doing that anyway <laughs> yeah it's not it's not like you weren't trying to catch a 50 pounder before like my goal is to catch a state record this year so if you would have caught it before this year you would have <laughs> not submitted it first why wasn't it next year <laughs> exactly <laughs> but um to set a goal that's that's action oriented like my goal is to go fishing 50 times instead of 40 times that's more of, of, of something that you can control. You and know? more something you can keep track of, you know? If, if you have a goal that you don't have steps to obtain, you're never going to achieve that goal. Sure, sure. You know, there's nothing going to drive you. I want to lose 15 pounds. Am I? No, because I'm doing nothing to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so instead of saying your goal yeah. is, I want to lose 15 pounds, maybe your goal should be, I want to work out five days a week. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Because that's, that's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah, and don't drink bush lights. Let's start with the workout. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to get over our head here. All right. Well, that's about all the time we got. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to watch or watch and or listen. And uh, see you again next time. See you guys. Vote now in Waypoint TV's 2023 Series Showdown. Your favorite hunting and fishing shows are going head-to-head. Visit waypointtv.com to vote and be entered to win a giveaway from Element Outdoors. Cast your votes during each round until the champions are crowned. Get in the game and vote in the Series Showdown. Presented by Expedition Enterprises and Vote Trader. Only at waypointtv.com. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.